Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Folks, if you want to see me live, we are at Coachella tonight. No one's coming to that because it's fucking storming and it's in the middle of nowhere. And it's January. But then we're Reno, Nevada, Saturday, January 21st. Then we are in Oxnard, California, my favorite place. Oxnard, January 27th, 28th, and 29th. Raleigh, North Carolina, the 9th through the 11th. Tucson, Arizona on the 16th of February. Phoenix, Arizona, the 17th through the 19th of February. Monterey, California, the 23rd, if it still exists. Vancouver, Canada on the 24th. Napa, California on the 25th. One of my favorites, Palm Beach, Florida, the 9th through the 11th of March. Inglewood, New Jersey, April 13th. Huntington, New York at the Paramount, the 14th. New Brunswick, New Jersey, the 15th. And um, Sunday, April 16th, Huntington, New York. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show from Storm Ravaged, California. We bring you a message right now from the leader of California, our leader. We bring you a message from her. She is in distress. What you don't know is uh, Ellen is doing this with her mind. She's making these waters rage with her mind. This is a trick she does. This is something that's actually rather impressive. She's actually uh, creating all these conditions uh, herself and then standing outside. Uh, She uploaded this video uh, in Montecito. Many of the... uh, Montecito is an area two hours north of California. I'm sorry, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, in the Santa Barbara. Montecito is a very elite uh, part of Santa Barbara where a lot of wealthy people live, like Oprah, uh, Alan DeGeneres, and uh, Harry and Meghan uh, were living there for a period. And this is the area that got hit the hardest. Now, obviously, Los Angeles had some flooding and there were some, some small mudslides and boulders were on the street and they closed some roads and uh, there were some issues in people's yards uh, where if they, you know, if you live on a hill, sometimes uh, I was talking to my landscaper. She said one, uh, one of her clients, um, part of someone else's yard, um, uh, fell, just went right into that person's pool. So if someone is above you and they don't have a retaining wall, their earth slides down into your pool. So my landscaper is figuring, figuring that out. Ellen DeGeneres, though, uh, is upset about this as. As you know, as a res, a longtime resident of Montecito, uh, she's out there. We'll watch the rest of this video. Uh, this is some type of um, behind her is a creek, some type of river uh, that is uh, flooding. What's what's happening in California now? You think you know someone? Um, you think you're used to what the problems could be? And I've lived here on and off for four years, and uh, what I've noticed is that. Um, you know, the, the population here is, is very, very accustomed to fires. So too accustomed to it. 
Like, you drive down a highway and it's on fire and no one cares. Like, people are so comfortable with fires in this state because they happen all the time. That literally three houses away will be on fire and people in their backyard go, ah, it's there, that's down there, we're not going to go nuts. People will see fire happening in their neighborhoods and not leave. They won't evacuate because they will literally tell you, well, for the fire to come up here, it would have to go around that. People are so comfortable with flames and fire um, and droughts. We all have been accustomed to the drought. Who cares? It doesn't affect anyone. There's still water. There's a lot of water. You can shower. You can drink bottles of water. Everyone has a bottle of water. Uh, Nobody is not hydrated because of this drought. We buy water from Lake Mead or from, uh, you know, wherever we're stealing the water from, wherever we're buying it from, we have water. We're not... Now, people keep saying we have less and less water. It's going to be more of a problem. There are now governors on the uh, how much you can uh, use your sprinkler system. So the lawns of Beverly Hills and Bel Air, God help us, are getting a little brown. Um, and a lot of people have switched out their grass for turf because it doesn't need to be watered. And some people are getting rid of grass in general and doing a sand kind of rock garden cactus thing that looks fine. So everybody's accustomed to droughts. Everybody's accustomed to fire. People get it. Shit burns down. That's okay. Nobody's really... I mean, there are instances where people burn up in their houses because they're up until the last minute, they're not convinced they should leave. But the one thing that nobody has really dealt with here is flooding and, and, and uh, you know, excess of rain. And I don't want to hear about droughts anymore. If we can't use the rain now, people go, well, we don't even... The water that comes in, we don't even know how to use it. They go, we don't know how to use it. It's filthy. It's, we just got to, you know, it, it's like, well, the, here's the water for the drought. Figure it out. You can't, in two weeks, they're going to start talking about a drought again. But this has in, in the positives of this is that the lakes and the rivers of California, their levels are, are, are higher. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means we're out of the drought. I don't think it does. So, so you get you get the worst of all worlds, whereas you'll still in a drought, but it's flooding, but it's a drought. And I've lived here and I, I'll tell you, the weather is never what it's been. It's never sold as, you know, it's not accurate weather. It's not tropical weather. It's not Florida. Um, it's cold. It's desert. It's, it's hot during the day and cold at night. Um, it's weirdly overcast in a lot of the beach communities. There's this layer of gloom, this oceanic layer uh, and if it's not hot enough, it, the sun will not pierce it, and it'll just be kind of bleak and gray and gloomy. It's not what you think it is here, but it's never been quite this bad. This is a new level of uh, bad for California, where people are, like, you know, getting, like, tragic shit's going on. Like, people are, a kid was, like, swept away. With, on Like, I don't even know how that happens. He's, like, like his parents... Something tragically happened where he ended up getting swept. I mean, this is like biblical shit, and um, nobody's prepared for this except Alan, who created it. Let's watch the the end of her little plea.
Dylan brings up a good point that we need to be nicer to Mother Nature. Now, get up Ellen's real estate portfolio because it's very important to always think about your actions in relation to the balance of the world, like the Navi in Avatar. Um, So let me just read this uh, first um, first, uh, sentence here in the article. Uh, This is uh, uh, Ellen DeGeneres and her wife, Portia de Rossi. The title of this article in Architectural Digest is Inside Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi's Endless real estate portfolio. Endless is the word. In 2022 alone, the couple purchased four properties and sold three. And Ellen has a, Ellen's house in Montecito. Get, get that up because she's got a mid-century modern in Montecito. Here's the thing with Ellen. She always makes really good real estate choices. They're always pretty fucking dope. And they're stunning. And so she's got this house in Montecito. She paid 21, I believe it's $21 million for it. Uh, Oh, sorry. Ellen DeGeneres sells Bali-inspired Montecito property for $33 million. I wonder how big it is. It's a 9.3-acre compound. Now, let's see how big that is in square footage. If we can find the square footage on that. Um, We know it's 9.3 acres. I wonder how big it is. But I I don't know what Ellen means. I understand when she goes, we should be nicer to Mother Nature. But, you know, she owns tens of thousands of square feet of real estate that needs to be heated and cooled all the time. I mean, this is, you know, this is not like, she doesn't own like a bungalow. She owns a lot of property. And I own houses. There's nothing wrong with owning houses. Not as big as hers. But, you know, it's nice to say um, she's got a 4,000 square foot property. But this is not, there's no way... That that's the one that sold for $33 million. I would be shocked. Um, what does she mean by that? Be nicer to Mother Nature. I mean, it's like a nice thing to say, but I don't know what she means by that. Maybe she knows Mother Nature. Like, maybe she knows these gods, and she has a personal beef with uh, Mother Nature. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's it's um, It's possibly something that, you know, is happening in a realm that we don't know. So she's got, you know, about 11,000 square feet. She's got um, four bedrooms, 10 bathrooms, and about 11,000 square feet. It's uh, the sprawling property comprising 18,000 square foot main house and a 10,000 square foot guest house. Um, And and so this is... um, So this is one of her properties that we're looking at between the guest house and the main house, about 30,000 square feet of real estate that Ellen has. And God bless. I mean, but again, it's like you'd, you'd be, you'd wonder what 
being nicer to Mother Nature would mean if you had 30,000 square feet of real estate for one of your homes, just one of your homes. Get up some more um, examples of how bad this has gotten in California. This has gotten really bad. Um, kayakers are paddling uh, in Santa Barbara and Montecito. And with Santa Barbara is where really wealthy people go when they're kind of through with L.A., and they're bigger than L.A., and they don't need to be here. They go up to Santa Barbara, and they go up to Montecito. And it's not right that they have to deal with this, to be, to be honest with you. It's actually not right because they've made it out. They've gotten out of Los Angeles. They're away from the homeless. They're up in their hamlet. They're in this small little beautiful kind of country, idyllic coastal country town with their $33 million, uh, 30,000 square foot home. And, uh, you know, it's ugly. They're closing highways. People are dying. The death toll of this storm, I think the last time I checked was at 12. 12 people had died in the California storm. Um, And it's not a dignified death. 17 are now dead. It's not a dignified death. Dying in California in a fire makes sense. Dying in a flood is stupid. It's like silly, and it's like crazy to even admit. People that, that you know, are affected by this don't even want to tell people how you died. Um, massive Los Angeles sinkhole swallows two vehicles, but they rescued the passengers. The earth is opening up. Big holes are opening up in the middle of the street. Cars are falling in. And how dumb do you really have to be to fall into a sinkhole unless you it literally opens as you're on it? But people in this state are so dumb, they might just, they're not paying attention, and they literally just drive. It's a big hole, and they just, and they go right in. I don't know if that's what happened, but um, it is, unfortunately, uh, you know, led to death and fatality. People are dropping like flies. We've got 17 people dead, um, which is crazy. And, you know, the hope is that... um, you know, that this uh, rain stops because if the rain doesn't stop, LA is all these places, these are dirt hills. They're not really mountains. These are dirt hills that everybody lives on. My house is on a dirt hill. And if it gets too wet, all the houses slide off the hills and they slide into the canyon. Um, And that's not what you'd want. Um, But that's a little weather update here. And, you know, we hope, play this. Derek took his kayak down a flooded City Street in Santa Barbara today. But, I mean, every year it happens, and every year we, us as a community over at Melpis try to make sure the drains stay clear so this doesn't happen to everyone on the street. Yeah. Sorry, but I think I need to get back now. <laughs> All right, well, listen, yeah, you be like, safe and take talk care to of you. yourself. It's the end of the world. All right. Well, what this is, is something you, you don't see every day. I don't think I've ever spoken. She goes, I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who is of a Latino descent. Like <laughs> she goes, which is strange because I've lived here for years. But she goes, this is odd. But I felt safe because he was on a kayak. A road completely flooded. Look at that kayaking down the street. It seems a little fun, doesn't it? Things like this are a little exciting too. Let's be honest, just a little exciting. It's a little exciting and a little fun seeing all the... And this is what people... This is going to be the double-edged sword of climate change because although it is going to kill people and destroy things, 
it is going to kind of be a little fun. It's not politics. It's something to talk about that isn't politics. What's going on? Are you okay? The fucking weather is nuts. Everybody's kind of dealing with it together. It kind of brings people together. I don't even know if I'm against it. Because of the of the of the the it 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 flattens people. Whether you're rich or poor, you have to deal with extreme weather. And I think that's something that actually could be a very unifying thing in our society is as these incidences of extreme weather become more frequent, people are actually going to become closer. You know, we've had a very divided couple of years. It's been very divisive politically, culturally. But, you know, no one's talking about Drag Queen Story Hour now because everything's flooded and people are losing everything. And I got to be honest with you. I think there's sort of something nice about it. This might, this next era, which is going to be 30 to 50 years of biblical fires and floods, may be actually lovely. Like, it may actually be so nice because nobody's going to be fighting about bullshit if we're all kind of, and everyone's going to kind of move around the country trying to outsmart the disasters, all the real estate shows, it's kind of going to be fun to see, like, people are going to go from the mountains. They're going to get burned out of the mountains. And they're going to go to the, the, the low-lying areas. And then they're going to get flooded out. And then they're going to go to the plains. And, I mean, it's going to be fun to kind of watch people migrate from disaster to disaster, building different properties to withstand the coming revenge of the earth. I mean... I don't want a lot of people to die. I'm not a big fan of mass death. Many of you who watch the show know that. I've never been pro-mass death. I don't think everyone can live. But I don't think that everyone should die all at once. I like a trickling, a slow trickling. But to me, something like this, it's nice to see Ellen in front of the overflowing river. It makes you feel like we're all one. Right? I think it's a little nice to see a raging river. She's a little nervous. You go, all the money she's got, all the properties she's got, she's still subject to the same natural forces that we all are. So, if, you know, if, 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 if a celebrity were to kind of get it, if a celeb, yeah, you see in her eyes... She's a little bit like, hey, what's happening? Now, you know, she is going to be fine. She can be safe. She can be airlifted out. But is it's nice to see people of means a little panicked. All the movies that are coming out now, whether it's Triangle of Sadness or The Menu, these are great movies that talk about class. Everybody wants to hit. Wealthy people. Beverly Hills Bentley. Everybody wants Louis Vuitton. Everybody, Polo. Everybody wants the wealthy to die. Everyone wants the wealthy to die now. This is a fact. And seeing these, if, 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 if we start seeing a few mansions get damaged, this could be very cathartic for people. And I'm not saying this should happen 
but everybody really wants some revenge because the recession's coming. You can feel it. You can feel it now. It's going to, people are starting to, you know, the layoffs are here and then following the layoffs will be some pain. And in order to make that okay, if we saw a couple of Montecito mansions really get it, it might make us feel better. So I'm just saying there is going to be an upside to climate change. I always try to look for the positive. There is going to be an upside to uh, the the chaotic destruction. It will affect rich people. And that's what you want. It will damage the homes of wealthy. Now, yes, they have other homes. Fine. Yes, they can go other places. Sure. But just as a visceral image, it is nice to see a couple of rich people's horses drown. Not that you have a prop, but you know, like the idea, maybe not even drown, but waist deep. If you see a Montecito ranch and the horses are waist deep, and you see people panicking, Harry and Meghan ordered to evacuate Montecito Mansion amid deadly California floods. This is what we want. This is what we want. This is good. <laughs> Seeing rich people have to flee their homes because of fires and flooding makes people that don't have money a little happy. And isn't that what everything's about at the end of the day? Is people just being a little happy? So that's what I think. I'm very bullish on weather. I'm bullish on extreme weather. I am. As as a unifying thing in our society, I am bullish on extreme weather. And in fact, I think we should have more of it. And if we can't, if it's not happening naturally, manufacture it a la harp. A la the conspiracy harp, which I haven't looked into too much, but it's the government controls the weather conspiracy. If we can manufacture this every now and then, let's do it. Because I think this will be good for all of us long term. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Com slash Tim Dillon. That's athleticgreens.com slash Tim Dillon. Check it out. Um, The amount of people on this diet drug now, Ozempic, has, and we've talked about it on the Patreon, Ozempic is the, is the drug for type 2 diabetes. And... Every and I didn't know, I didn't understand how this drug worked, by the way. And I, I started reading articles about it and I spoke to some people on it. It's actually you have a chemical revulsion to food when you take Ozempic. Like if you take Ozempic, which is a shot, it's a syringe, it's a shot. And 
what happens is you actually become disgusted with the idea of food. You're actually like repulsed by the idea of food. You want to, you start throwing up. If you eat too much, you start throwing up. You start like heaving. I have friends that say they, it's, they, it's hard, like they can't even get food down. It, they, they, it's like, you know, a drug that you would give to somebody. You know, there are these drugs that, for example, make alcohol, make your body not tolerate alcohol, and it's a way to fight alcoholism, where it just, it's a drug that makes you basically go, I am, uh, you know, I am no longer getting any of the benefits of alcohol. And this is what Ozempic does to people with food. It's like, um, you know, it makes you look at food uh, the way that some people, you know, would look at a drug like heroin, where you look at it and you go, I would never do that. Get that away from me. Keep that away from me and my family. I don't want to live in community. Now, the problem is it is necessary for life, food. You have to eat. And there's people that aren't really eating. They're taking a bite or two, and then they're going and vomiting in the bath. This is what Ozempic is. You, you take a bite or two of food, and then you're like, okay, enough for me. And um, obviously, it's now there's a shortage of the medication that's in Ozempic because everybody with type 2 diabetes is like, what the fuck is rich people in Hollywood? Not me yet. Rich people in Hollywood are able to take this shit. They're able to get it. Their Beverly Hills doctors will write prescriptions for this medication that was for people with type 2 diabetes, which, by the way, isn't that the one you give to yourself anyway? Like, isn't that the one that you're kind of responsible for? You weren't born with it. You acquired it. So it's kind of like, hey, man, everybody, we're all on what's Like, if you have type 2 diabetes, you gave it to yourself. You got it. So if you no longer have the medication to fix it, it's you, like, so now rich people in, uh, rich fat people and poor fat people are having, like, a little civil war over this drug Ozempic. And this drug Ozempic is really becoming, like, the hot weight loss drug. Remy Bader went on this drug who is a, um, she's a plus-size model. She's like a curvy model, and she talks about this. She goes on the drug, and I guess she has some success on the drug. Afterwards, she just complete. she stops taking it, okay? Here's what happened. She stops taking Ozempic. TikTok star Remy Bader says stopping Ozempic made her binge eat and get so much worse. She stops taking this drug, which, by the way, you can't do. You're not able to stop it. If you start Ozempic, you cannot stop Ozempic. You're in, you're in. And all the Kardashians are on Ozempic. Most of Hollywood is on Ozempic. All the people that claim that they are, you know, incredibly healthy because of lifestyle choices and trainers, maybe. But a lot of them are on drugs, like Ozempic. They're on drugs. And they have doctors that write prescriptions for drugs. Um... Bader, Remy Bader, she goes on Ozempic. She stops. She starts mauling taco trucks like something out of a horror movie. She's just like a zombie, except, you know, she's not going for human flesh, you know, but she's out there saying, I'm binge eating now like nothing I have ever done before in my life because I've stopped taking Ozempic. I am, I am, I am out there trying to kill people to eat. Now, 
because Bader, who is known for her realistic clothing hauls on TikTok, has been vocal about her experience with binge eating disorder. I saw a doctor and they were like, it's 100% because you went on Ozempic. She said the impact going off the medication had on her. Quote, it was making me think I wasn't hungry for so long. I lost some weight. I didn't want to be obsessed with being on it long term. I was like, I bet the second I get off, I'm going to get starving again. And she did. As soon as she stopped taking Ozempic, the ferocity came back. She just wanted to eat. So you got to be careful with these drugs. I know they seem like... um, they seem like things that are a shortcut. It's the, but I'm telling you right now, you are, if you get off these drugs, you become so much more like, it's like you're basically putting on a mask. You're putting on uh, contacts where every food you see is shit. It's all shit, looks like shit. People bring a porterhouse to the table or a shellfish tower or a big bowl of pasta. It all looks and smells like shit. You can't imagine eating it. The fact that other people are eating it makes you sick. And then you take, the stop taking the Ozempic, you take the glasses off, it's no longer shit. And you go, huh. And then you're like, you remember that you haven't eaten and you're like, ah. And that's bad. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um... You know, I think that, you know, people are always looking for the shortcut, and this is certainly a really good shortcut. Um, but uh, I, 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 I feel for this woman who is now um, a danger to herself and others when she got off this medication. She's like going around mall food courts like a, like a ravenous animal. She's like a dog that has been chained up in an empty warehouse finally smelling a steak. And this is what's going to happen um, if you keep taking this shit. You know? I mean, I... But I will take it. And it will work. Because I won't get off it. That's the thing about me is I won't get off it. I, I don't... This dumb bitch, you don't get off it. You stay on it. It's like when you make a lifestyle choice, you, you go in. You, you choose it. But she was also getting afraid. She's like, if I'm not the curvy model, what am I? You know, if she becomes gaunt and bony and... With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Power to dream again. Uh, um, This new movie came out called The Menu, which is really, really funny. And it parodies this restaurant, not overtly, but this restaurant called Noma in Copenhagen, where the chef, Rene Redzepi, it's the hardest reservation to get in the world. Noma is a, um, a restaurant in uh, Denmark, in Copenhagen. And Rene Redzepi is a guy that really pioneered this type of um, style of cooking where it was like foraging, where you would, you know, take local ingredients that were grown in and around the restaurant 
and utilize him. This is a guy, you know, that kind of reinvented Nordic cuisine. He was like, you know, I think he was using ants as salt at one time, like ants, because they had, they tasted like salt. And he was using ant. It was amazing. And, and I'm trying to get a reservation here before it closes. It's closing in, in 2024 because, again, it's more of the war on the rich. Because people are angry that people are so rich that as the world is burning down, they can go to nice places and eat. Because it's the, you're dominating you know, as you know, the, the, he had a dish. Go to Noma's duck dish. People did not like this. They didn't like this. He had a duck dish where he basically, he went, a lot of chefs are going, he went too far because what he basically did was he served you a decapitated duck. This is the head of a duck. And what he's doing is he's saying, fuck this duck. I'm, we're rich. That's what he's saying. It's not about food. What, bigger lobsters, the meat is tougher. You know why they're better? It's, it's about power. It's not about... So what Rene Redzepi is saying here with this is that this duck had a family, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just like those people in Yemen. Now, if, if, if Rene Redzepi at Noma could serve you a Yemeni child, he would. He would serve you a Yemeni child and it would look exactly like that and people would eat it. This restaurant, Noma, is a restaurant that's about local ingredients and but it's also about incredibly, because this is food culture. Food, and I, I have witnessed food culture and, I was, and I've been a part of it. No offense. And I've seen it. I've seen the growth of the tasting menu. I've eaten in La Bernadin when I was a child. My father took me there when I was in seventh grade. He took me to La Bernadin, and he, then he took me to Phantom of the Opera, and then he, took, then he let me, he brought me to um, a, a businessman's house, and he made me suck him off. And it was the best birthday that I ever had. But I had been going to these restaurants, these tasting menus, uh, for a very long time, and I have an appreciation for fine dining, and they, they've gotten more elaborate as time goes on. And the, and the menu does a great job making fun of this stuff, the, the stories that are being told about the food, the stories that the ingredients tell about the area. Food is about race and about class. Like the new writer in the, I forget, it's maybe the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco Chronicle, Salil Ho, uh, always writes about food and class and, you know... Uh, about what is, you know, and I mean, AOC said something about like yucca or something like certain vegetables are racist or whatever. But this idea that, uh, you know, really wealthy people are, they have, they have the opportunity that other people don't have. A lot of people say, why are people fat? Well, they live in food deserts, meaning they can't get good food. They wake up and it's Taco Bell or McDonald's or Burger King. That's it. They don't get good produce. No mom, like most good things in life, is a little bit of a lie. And the lie of Noma is that it's about the environment and it's about the vegetables. But what it really is about is some people having more than others because it restricts those good things, the environment. Uh, it restricts them and it hands them 
rightfully so, to a small group of people that can appreciate them. Because when I say he uses ants, you go, that's gross. Ants are gross. Pizza's good. I want more pizza. You shouldn't be allowed in Noma. You shouldn't even be allowed in Denmark. You shouldn't be allowed in Copenhagen. The Nordics with their beautiful white bodies, not that it's a racial thing, they shouldn't even have to be near you. They're hairless, gorgeous, Adonis-like physique. They shouldn't, they're all swimmers. They all have swimmers build. It's not too much. It's not like we have where it's like people are just clumps of muscle. You know, they have a nice evenly distributed physique because they eat shit like this. They eat fish and tiny little potatoes and no, nobody cares about anything. They're all somewhat depressed and uh, they all live by canals. But what's nice about restaurants like Noma is that it allows people to truly go in there and feel like kings and queens, but in like a really nice modern way where they're like, hey, you know, we're telling the story of our, of our, of our environment. So Noma's closing, and Noma has said, now get up Noma's statement when they were closing it. What they're basically saying, what they're basically saying is that in order to, Noma is closing because somebody said this. Um, the conspiracy people are going, Noma is closing because its labor practices are unsustainable. Interesting. Well, because they had interns. I think they weren't paying their interns or something. Um, but Noma put out a statement. Um, and they basically said, we have to evolve. Um, what we're doing right now, which is serving like an 18-course menu to the wealthiest people in the world, we've been guilted, and we have to stop. And now this guy, Rene Redzepi, who's exactly what a chef should be, a psychopath, lunatic, who wants to murder, and that's good. He's been cucked. And he's now making cheeseburgers for slobs. I mean, I'm like so, I really want to go to this trash shop before closing. It, it, to me, it's like, it's, a, it's an endless war on greatness. It's an endless war. So to continue being Noma, we must change. Dear guests, colleagues, and friends, winter 2024 will be the last season of Noma as we know it. We are beginning a new chapter, Noma 3.0. In 2025, a restaurant is transforming into a giant lab, a pioneering test kitchen dedicated to the work of food innovation, blah, blah, blah. They're going to come up with products there and sell them. In the next phase, we will continue to travel and search for new ways to share our work. Our, our goal is to create a lasting organization dedicated to groundbreaking work in food, but also to redefine the foundation for a restaurant team, a place where you can learn, you can take risks, you can grow. They have been guilted into this. No one likes success. People hate it. And this man who had the guts to say, let's serve people animals that are not only cooked, but humiliated. Let's humiliate this duck. Let's not only cook it, let's denigrate it. Let's chop its head off and let's put it on the table and where you can imagine it having a family and you eat it while, like, there's something about that. He had the balls to do this and... There's something really, truly beautiful about that, making people feel like they're in charge of nature for a small window before nature comes and kills all of us. But that's what Rene Redzepi was doing. He's like, here's all this nature, and isn't it great? And it's all ours. It's ours. If you had the reservation 
uh, which is very hard to get. But now people are criticizing this man for this, and I think it's disgusting. Noma was about, the, it was the last time in our history that we were going to control nature, the flora, the fauna. It was the last time we were going to be able to sit like kings and queens and eat everything. Look at all this beautiful bounty around us. Fuck sustainability, fuck everything. Eat it delectably. Put it in our mouths, eat it before the coming ice age. It's the last thing we have left. Now you're seeing as the weather gets worse, as climate gets worse, as inequality worsens, as all of these things happen, restaurants like Noma are going to say, I remember after 9-11 in New York City when a lot of French restaurants seemed to be in bad taste for two reasons. Number one, the French were a little, they weren't exactly on board with our Middle East uh, genocide after 9-11, which was kind of weird of them. Um, so people were spilling out French wine in the street. We were calling French fries freedom fries. But also this idea of having like a three-hour tasting menu in a very opulent palatial setting when uh, 3,000 of your fellow citizens had just been seared, for lack of a better word, uh, was disgusting. It was grotesque. People said, so that's when the green market started coming into New York City dining. Uh, people like Tom Colicchio uh, started talking about green markets and like all the restaurants became raw materials. It was wood, it was brick, it was exposed steel beams and it was different. It was not that, you know, pretend, things got real. After 9-11, things got real and people were like, oh, maybe the way we go out, the way we enjoy ourselves should be reflective of the changes culturally that are happening that were brought on by this horrible event that made things more real almost overnight. Now, with Noma, you have a man who for the last decade or, you know, uh, thereabouts has been able to, you know, show people that, you know, the best of nature, it has to be tamed. Nature cannot exist without being tamed, so he tames nature the animals, the plants, and he brings it to you in the most amazing way. A former Noma intern describes his time at the restaurant to the Financial Times as, as, a, as akin to being kidnapped from life due to the grueling schedule. This is now the revenge of the losers. So the losers are going to come out and go, I didn't have the time. He's a genius. He's a genius. You're decapitating ducks. He's a genius. The man's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> You dumb American fuck or Copenhagenish fuck, whatever, same shit. Denmark fuck, you lazy fuck. You're all lazy. The Scandinavians are so fucking lazy. There is a word in Denmark, I forget what it is, that basically means don't stand out. Like there's a, a word in like Nordic culture that means like enough already with your special things. Blend in, blend the fuck in. Here's one guy that dared really to show people that the most royal and regal you will feel is, is taking these precious things that you see all around you and putting them in your body, eating them. And he's being guilted by communists and by Hollywood and by the worst degenerates that have ever lived. And they're trying to ruin, they're ruining these, and I haven't even gotten to go yet. And I wanted to go, and this is one of my, they closed a bully in Spain, Fernan Adria's restaurant, where he did molecular gastronomy, he'd take things and make them into gases and potions and 
He'd be like, look, that was an orange, now it's a little ball of gel. And they closed that restaurant, okay? And Noma was my Mount Everest. I'm going to try to get it, because I'm not, I'm going to stop eating in restaurants this year for the majority of the year um, while I do my um, Ozempic cleanse, and they will, they're going to put me into the body of um, a, a, a small... A child that was killed in the Chicago fire. I spoke to the person who did Kardashian, Chloe. I spoke to the same necromancer. They're going to put me into the body of a child where I can be reincarnated because I have money now. So they'll reincarnate me into the body of a child that died um, in the in the Triangle Factory fire. And maybe in New York. I don't know. <laughs> but this is what I... Because the body has to be completely charred. The necromancer was explaining it to me. I don't know, but the body has to be completely charred, and then I can, you could, the soul can be reconstituted. It's not a big deal, but it starts with a zempic. You you prepare with a zempic, and then you are reincarnated into the body of um, someone else. But my point is that I've always wanted to go to Noma. This is a fascination of mine. I talked to Sam Talent, who opened for me, the great, hilarious Sam Talent. Go buy his book, um, and and I would say, Sam, well, we gotta go to Noma, 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 Noma. Rene Redzepi, nuts, he's nuts, and the whole, the staff, they fear him in there. And, and, and listen, because, listen, you know, folks, it's a war, it's a war, it's a war being fought right now, and people that want mediocrity to win are in the lead. People that want failure to win are in the lead. And I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, but listen, People go, oh, I don't have a life because I'm a Noma and I feel like it's been kidnapped from my life. What the fuck were you going to do anyway, Hans? What were you going to fucking do anyway? This is a genius. He's, he's chopping the heads off ducks. He's doing things with vegetables you've never even seen. This man is, is allowing the people who've ruined the planet to ruin it just a little bit more before the planet turns on us all. The planet is turning on us all. Don't you want to have one last fuck you to the planet? Don't you want to have one last middle finger up, piss on the fucking... Don't you want to just run through the Brazilian rainforest with a fucking flame torch just before it's over fully for us? And that's what Noma was about to be. Noma was about total dominance over the natural world before it kills us. But like Rene Redzepi now has been bullied. I'd love to have him on the show. Please reach out to me if you want. He's been bullied. And they made this movie, The Menu, which is hilarious and lovely. But it's about this crazy chef. And I love it. I think it's great. It's a great movie. Um, but, you know, I think, and they don't know if it's why Noma closed or why it didn't close or whatever. But at the end of the day, this this very, and, and you know, this new thing now where it's like really uh, tasting menus where we procure these very expensive, rare ingredients and serve them to wealthy people. There's something inherently wrong with this. Will you stop? What about these clubs where people go out and they spend tens of thousands of dollars on booze so they could go to a VIP lounge and they could stand there in a club? That's okay. That's okay. But somehow a restaurant where a genius humiliates the natural world in front of you, abuses it, fucks mushrooms in the face, molests ducks, there's something wrong with that. Well, that's my that's my take on it. I'm sad it's closing, and I hope to get a reservation before it's done because it does signify to me it's the end of an era. You know that era of fine dining, that era of um, you know total utter and abuse of the natural world, which is so integral to a great dining experience. You really have to uh, humiliate 
things. That's just, there's just nothing. You have to rip things out of the ground. You have to cook them. You have to kill things. You have to take clams and scallops and this and that. You have to do it. This is what the Native Americans believe. The Native Americans believe that all of these things were for their benefit. And somehow we've gotten away from that. These vegan freaks are out there saying that, you know, oh, you know, we don't need to be eating. The Native Americans would use every part of the animal. This was the thing for the coat, and then they would eat it, and then they'd make the necklace. And people, you know, and we've gotten away from that now where we think that, like, if we dominate the natural world at all, we've done something horrible. But I'm saying it's too late to make peace with the earth. So we need to fuck it up a little more right before the earth comes for its, its great revenge. And that's why um, I'm sad about the closing of Noma, the greatest restaurant maybe of all time, in Copenhagen, Denmark, an unimportant place that no one... It's the only reason anyone even thought of Denmark is Noma. The only reason the truly wealthy people went to Denmark was to eat at Noma. And it's sad to me that uh, this man, uh, you know... The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook. I love betting. It's so important to me. Everyone I know loves betting. And here's the reality. The NFL is where people bet. This is the season, and this is where people are making money. You! Sam Beckman fried has started a stub stack to defend himself. And uh, Sam Beckman fried of course, uh, the leader of FTX, dethroned because of the rampant anti-Semitism in America. Uh, he wrote an article on his sub stack, and he's like, I don't steal funds. And I certainly didn't stash away billions. He said FTX is U.S. is fully solvent and always has been. He wrote of the company's American division saying that, quote, a ridiculous. Here's the thing, Sam, talk about the cult. Talk about, dude, your sub stacks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be boring. Talk about the sex cult. Go into that. Tell us about how it feels like to be betrayed by this bitch. Like, you have to make it a little more fun than just a... Like an oh, like you're oh, you're telling people that it's actually not that bad, which I which is kind of funny. He's like, it's actually things are actually fine. I've been arrested. It's a kind of a mistake. And as soon as I show everyone how fine it is, like Bankman Fried wrote in the Substack post that he was seeking to set the record straight with testimony he was set to give the House Financial Services Committee on December 13th. Unfortunately, the Department of Justice moved to arrest me the night before preempting my testimony with an entirely different news cycle, he wrote of his arrest in the Bahamas. Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information. And this is uh, the people that are saying that Sam Bankman-Fried is a liar and that he will be, um, you know, convicted and he will be, he will go down. But Bankman-Fried is now saying that uh, on his Substack, that actually things, and we're gonna follow this trial closely. We're gonna follow it closely because, you know, at the end of the day, I, um, you know, I think this could represent the. Although Bitcoin is up a little bit, Bitcoin's up a little bit. Logan Paul has released a video, which I think he's trying to do the right thing by those people, saying he made a little bit of a whoopsie. And Bitcoin's now at twenty thousand seven hundred eighty-four dollars, so it is starting to creep back up. Are, has Bitcoin hit a bottom or 
are people like, you know, all these exchanges have gone out of business. It suffered uh, all this bad news. But at the end of the day, is Bitcoin going to climb back up? I remember in the height of Bitcoin, there were all these ideas, you know, with NFTs, that there was going to be secret restaurants, NFT, and I was really excited about this, NFTs that would get you into secret restaurants, you know, and that nobody would be able to get into. Exclusivity is not a horrible thing. It's not the worst thing. Um, there's worse things than that. If there's worse things than people going out to dinner. And you, you can go to Noma and be poor. You just have to make choices and stop giving your kids everything. Take from them and give to yourself. And you can fly to Copenhagen and go to Noma. It really depends on what you've got. Foodies have gone there. They're not all rich. It's just something nice. There is something to me about this idea that excellence is wrong and that excellence has to be destroyed and that everything good has to be common. I'm telling you, man, this will be... Society's going to get very ugly very quickly if this across the board is embraced, that everything good has to be common and that attractive people are the enemy, rich people are the enemy, um... 18-course tasting menus are the enemy. They are not the enemy. In fact, they are your friend. Sitting in a restaurant and having 18 plates of, you know, endangered animals and plants brought to you is ideal. It's lovely. It shows that you've done this planet the way you should do it, Okay. And this idea that across the board that everything has to be common, everything's a cheeseburger. We all love a cheeseburger. We all love a, a sloppy slice of pizza. We all love a, a, a 3 a.m. disgusting uh, a, a fuck with a, a, an old flame at a bar or something. Everybody loves the common things. But we, we must strive for better things, for great things, for things that mean something, you know? And I think that as a society right now, unfortunately, we seem to be embracing this narrative that just because it's only for a few people, it's bad. And that's not true. Not everybody's going to be able to appreciate Noma. Not everyone's going to be able to appreciate anything. So why are we restricting, uh, you know, the people that can appreciate things from, from enjoying them? So someone else better open something, and it better be more ostentatious than Noma. It better be more expensive, more exclusive, harder to get in. Really, really poor taste. I'm talking about people paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a reservation. Maybe it's on a boat. Maybe it's not tied to the laws of any country. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But I'm saying that, like, we can't completely go to war on the specific in favor of the general. It's, it's ugly. It's, it, it's base. Not based. Base. God. It's low rent. It's not good. Don't shame people on the basis. There should be no shaming. Don't know my shame. Don't tasting menu shame people. The same way you don't want to fat shame. Don't tasting menu shame don't wealth shame. Don't privilege shame. If you can't get on a plane and go to Noma, that's fucking your thing. Not everybody has to fucking, you know? And this guy, Rene Red, Red Zeppi, Renze, I don't care what his last name is. I know that I'm pronouncing it 
it's fine. I believe it's Red Zeppi, Red and Zeppi. But, but he, he fully revolutionized. Look at this, man. All this guy has thought about since he was a child is having the best restaurant in the world. Look, at, look in his eyes, close up on those eyes. Look at this man's eyes. He's not even in his own body. He's no longer in his own body. Like every person who's successful, he is somewhere else. He is in a prison of his success, and he will only um, be let out of that when he sheds his earthly form. And don't you want to eat it that right? You want to eat, you, this poor guy's going to make burgers now? He's going to make fucking burgers? He's going to be nice to people? Hey, would you like, would you like, we could put anything on your burger you want? Is that the way you want to go out, you fucking freaks? Is that the way you want society to end? Like, like him, violent geniuses having to be neutered and made to make cheeseburgers for the sloths? It's not right. So we hope that the weather in California gets better. We are cautiously optimistic about that. I do see the benefit of a little unease, and I think you do too now that I've explained it, but we don't want it to be, we don't want to go overboard. So there you have it. There are some thoughts about what's going on this week. TimDillonComedy.com. We have all the dates up there for tickets. Patreon.com slash the Tim Dillon Show for bonus content. Uh, the episode with Joe Rogan was a lot of fun. Um, and we will see you guys on the road. Thank you very much. And let us hope that if this weather doesn't get better, let's hope the destruction of people's lives brings happiness uh, to others that are watching it on TV.